Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. So you remember the scene where King Kong is getting carried by balloons and it's fucking awesome? Yes. Okay. So to commemorate that. (laughs) I brought a balloon. (laughs) Okay. Who do you think has a deeper voice? Godzilla or King Kong? What? Just just answer it. Yeah. Just guess. If you if he if he could talk. Uh King Kong. Okay, what's something King Kong would say if he could talk? Hey, Charlie, I think you're really cool. Hey, Charlie, I think you're really cool. <laughs> I'm King Kong. <laughs> For a second, I thought that was going to be helium. <laughs> you were going to do an, op- an opposite. <laughs> nope, it is nitrous oxide. <laughs> I should have figured. I think you even mentioned last time whippets. <laughs> What's something else Cog would say? Um, Godzilla's better than me. Godzilla's better than me. Oh, man. That's such an incel. Can't peel banana. Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters, an anti-capitalist kaiju and giant monster podcast in a world where no one is coming to save us. I'm Rabbit, and you are... Cool, Rabbit. Charlie. And uh, this week we're talking about King Kong versus Godzilla from 1962. Charlie, you want to tell us what this movie's about? All right. So usually I write these synopsis, but our friend Rabbit wrote this one. So have you read it yet? I have not. Awesome. Here we go, Kaiju Nation. Hey, not into nations, bro. Here we go, Kaiju State. Kaiju Autonomous Zone. Next. <laughs> In a desperate bid to get better ratings for the television show... You want to give me one of those whippets so then I could give this a cool voice? I'm sorry, I can't put it through the screen. Lame. Um, Yeah, the only time I've done whippets is when Marley was living on our couch and he'd bring some home from from Starbucks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nice. In a desperate bid to get better ratings for the television show they sponsor, Pacific Pharmaceuticals sends two advertisers to a far-off island to capture King Kong, a giant drunk ape god who loves to wave his hands in the air. (laughs) At the same time, an American submarine full of men in suits crashes into a glowing iceberg, releasing Godzilla from his chill sleep. I see what you did there with chill. Uh, Godzilla is probably having a great dream about destroying civilization. 
future anarchists, because he gets super mad and stomps all over the American military base, and then heads to the Japanese mainland to relive his glory days. The King of the Monsters and the King of the Kongs compete for airtime as capitalists froth at the mouth over the ratings, until finally the two beasts meet. Godzilla scares Kong away as Kong steals a woman, as Kongs do, but then is put to sleep and carried to Godzilla for a final showdown. Electricity and fire do their timeless dance as the two national treasures wrestle, bop, slide, tumble, and eventually swim away. Who won the battle? Who can say? But Godzilla sure did. As he should. The end. Directed by Ishiro Honda, written by Shinchi Sikizawa, special effects by Eiji Tsuburaya, with Tadayo Takashima as Osamu Sakurai, Yu Fujiki as Kinsaburo Furu, Kenji Sahara as Kazuo Fushita, Mai Hama as Fumiku Sakurai, and Ichiru Arishima as the adorable heartless capitalist Mr. Taco. <laughs> It's King Kong vs. Godzilla, the Japanese version, baby. Cool. Well, I know you haven't seen this movie in a minute, but you have seen it. So, uh... I mean, I did watch it this morning. I was just dozing on and off during it. Um, oh, you watched the whole thing this morning? Yes, I was just... But, like, on it. Yeah. I was just like, well, I'm a sleepy boy. Totally. Yeah. Well, um... When I first watched this movie, I was saving this one because I'd heard it's wacky and stuff, and I'd watched most of the Showa ones that I thought I would like. So I've been saving this one, and I finally watched it last week. And the first time I watched it, I I gotta say, I really did not enjoy it. I just kind of wasn't having a good time, and in fact, I started like tripping, like I that I would like I got stoned towards the end to see if it would make it better, and then I started tripping and having like an existential crisis that maybe I we'd watched so many other movies, it'd been so long since I'd watched a Godzilla, maybe I didn't like Godzilla anymore. Oh God! So I watched Final Wars for the first time after and had like the best time of my life. So I knew I wasn't broken, which is good. But then I started reading about it. We're all broken. We're all broken. Uh, yeah. Me especially. Okay, go on. <laughs> Hashtag don't fix us. Anyway, I started worrying that I was broken and didn't like Godzilla anymore, but then I had a blast, so I realized it wasn't that. But then I started reading about this and thinking about it more and uh, kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like it's weird anytime. Do you, do you feel like this? Like sometimes you like watch a thing and then you read about it, either good things or bad things, and you like feel differently about the movie, even though you haven't watched it again? Yeah, definitely. And I, that always makes me feel weird because I'm like, I don't know, like I can appreciate it more, but can I like it more if I haven't watched it? It's just weird. But mm-hmm. I started feeling way better about it and its role in the Godzilla universe. And, and I started getting really glad that it existed because it's interesting. And I rewatched it and I had a much better time the second time. And I, I got to say, it's like, I don't love this movie, but I like it. I'm glad it exists. Um, and I, I really appreciate its like satirical elements and it's like kind of meta fiction elements. So I know when I first watched it, I told you I didn't like it. So I wanted to clarify that and say, I actually am somewhat of a fan now. See, that's not actually what happened. When you first watched it, you were texting me and you're like, God, I love this guy so much. I'm going to watch another Godzilla movie now. So, well, I said, I said, I love 
I loved when he burned a tank. I love Godzilla. I'm going to watch another Godzilla movie because I didn't want to tell you that I was hating the movie. So I was trying to be positive. Right. Yeah. So my impression was like, oh, he enjoyed that movie. And then like a couple days later, you're like, I really didn't like that movie. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So it was like really surprising to hear that you didn't like it. But I'm glad you uh, came around in the end. Um, I was thinking like, man, am I the only one? Because like I know a lot of people love this movie. And I started reading the book I read for every Ishiro Honda uh, movie, um, Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men by Peter H. Brothers. And this guy fucking hates this movie. He calls it the worst Godzilla movie, the worst movie Ishiro Honda's ever made. He, like, rips it to shreds, which made me, like, be like, come on, dude. It's not that bad. <laughs> so this movie has a weird reputation because a lot of people have seen the American ones. And a lot of people don't like the American one. And they just associate this movie as the American one, but then a lot of people like the Japanese one, but the American one is more generally known, I guess. Yeah. So I was kind of going into it with semi-low expectations when I first watched it, and I found myself quite enjoying it. But then I, like I mentioned, I rewatched it this morning, and uh, I was going in and out of sleep. I've had a, a rough week, and I have... Not in a right mindset, which is why I'm very unprepared for this movie. Just um, uh, Depression has been getting really a hold of me this week. Um, for sure. And I really disliked it this morning, but uh, that's probably not a fair judgment of the movie. Totally, totally. I'm interested to see uh, what happens when we rate it. How are you gonna? How are you gonna parse that? You know. Yeah, me too. All right, any other general thoughts and feelings before we go on to the uh, origin of the film? <laughs> um, it makes it weirder not even not being able to see you do that. <laughs> That's what it's like for every listener. <laughs> yeah, but they're all losers. They don't deserve to see you. You're not losers. We love you. You're great. We really like all of you, and we appreciate you, but only the ones who rate us on Apple. I love no one, and most especially not myself, so... Fair. Alright, so, the origin of this movie is kind of a trip. I mean, people, you could probably imagine, like, Godzilla is fighting King Kong. Those are two totally different franchises from different companies. It, a, must, a lot must have gone on, but... Yeah, I mean, especially at this point, uh... Because King Kong hasn't been in a movie since, what, 32? 33. 33, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is this is 62, right? You are correct. So it's like almost 30 years, and like it's not exactly like a franchise. It's just something that's been forgotten probably to most people. Totally. Well, King Kong was actually like the bigger name even in Japan at the time, I believe. Or maybe, maybe that's not true, but like was such a big name that they put his name first oh yeah yeah so um willis o'brien who uh, if you've listened to our king kong episode you know is the uh the genius behind all of that stuff inspired um like behind stop motion effects and inspired Subaraya, the special effects um director for the godzilla movies to like do his thing at this point in the 60s, studios did not want to use Willis O'Brien anymore. Like, he wasn't getting jobs because he his stop-motion techniques were so expensive and time-consuming um, that they just wanted to do it cheaper. And Ray Harryhausen, who's his, like, uh, protege, 
who did Ray Harryhausen, he did uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Are you so actually he, asking that? We did a whole episode on that movie. I know. I couldn't remember if he was, like, working with O'Brien or if he... I thought he did, but, you know. Yeah. Um, he was getting a lot of work because he was kind of... He wasn't... The way my book puts it is that he wasn't as much of a stubborn drunk as O'Brien. So he um, was willing... Go ahead. I, I mean, I should probably point out that they did Mighty Joe Young together, where uh, I think Harryhausen did most of the animation under O'Brien's supervision, and that won uh, an Academy Award. That was in the Nice, and the Charlie's there was I think. great in that. <laughs> yep. And Correct. she looks really good for her age. So O'Brien wasn't getting a lot of work. Things weren't going... He had a bunch of projects fall through, um... And then he ended up out of kind of desperation for money, making some lower budget films that weren't up to his standards, like the Black Scorpion and the Giant Behemoth, which I'd be interested to cover at some point. They don't look, they look interesting, but it just wasn't in it where his heart was, you know. So then in 1960, he decided to start a pet project of his own called King Kong versus Frankenstein. He contacted rko and eventually talked with uh producer john beck and made a handshake deal to get the project going which not a good idea so beck contacted toho uh specifically tanaka and um rko agreed to release kong's the rights to kong to toho for some of the profits with universal international getting all distribution rights outside of japan so this started going forward and basically they were doing it with like suitmation and stuff. And O'Brien didn't even know this happened. They did it behind his back. He learned about it later that his project was not only going to be made without his help and with first it was King Kong versus Frankenstein, then King Kong versus Prometheus. Then they decided to use Godzilla instead of Frankenstein and uh, switch the roles where King Kong would do what Frankenstein was going to do. And Godzilla would do what King Kong was going to do kind of, uh, Sorry, I want to point out, it was also um, Frankenstein versus Ginkgo. That was another title. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Who's Ginkgo? I don't know. I think it was just a name they were uh, throwing around for the, the creature. I don't think it was anything specific. I see. Gotcha. Even when it was like versus uh, Frankenstein, I mean, I think it was supposed to be Frankenstein's monster, not Frankenstein. They were just... Oh, I thought it was going to be the doctor. <laughs> Right, but the concept was as a monster made up of a whole bunch of different animal parts. Um, yeah. And okay. they even had the two of them fighting at the end and falling, falling into the San Francisco Bay, which is similar to the ending that actually happened. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, I mean, he was kind of heartbroken because he found out not only was he not going to help, but they weren't even using his style of techniques like just a giant fuck you to O'Brien, which is a real bummer. Um, and he died before it came out, I believe, so he didn't even get to see it, um, which is probably good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's especially... Uh, well, first of all, yeah, it's probably good because uh, Ray Harryhausen uh, saw his... He always thought Godzilla was a ripoff of his stuff, and he was upset about it. So O'Brien probably would have been upset too. Yeah, for sure. But um, also that's kind of ironic since Subaraya originally he wanted to make Godzilla um, stop motion animation in uh, in the same way as uh, King Kong but he just wasn't given the budget so it's kind of ironic that uh, O'Brien would have been upset that they didn't use the techniques that he used because 
Subaraya probably would prefer to use those techniques. True. Maybe at this point, no, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At this point, it was such an established suitmation was an established thing in what they were doing. Well, and he was just kind of churning them out. Um, yeah. I mean, not that he didn't put love into a lot of them, but this one feels a lot less... It wasn't about the effects as much in this one. What? Are you trying to say something about the King Kong suit? Are you casting shade on that King Kong suit? Um, so in the intro, I almost wrote this, but I felt bad making you read it. Uh, it was, instead of special effects by, it originally said, by A.G. Subaraya, it originally said, um, dollar store Halloween costumes by A.G. Subaraya. Um, but we'll get to that. So, so yeah, that's the context of the making of this movie. And then just to go into a little bit of political context, first of all, um, one of the reasons that this movie is the way that it is is um, because it was a like uh, it's considered to be like an adaptation of the salary man genre. Have you heard of that, Charlie? No. So this is also from Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men. Um, but I just read this and thought it was interesting. Uh, quote, salaryman films were extremely popular in Japan, involving hardworking employees outsmarting their lazy and stupid bosses, and with the vast majority of the Japanese population feeling overworked and underpaid, the films, not surprisingly, were enormously successful. And apparently this kind of followed that format of a movie, even though it doesn't feel exactly like that, um, with the, the, the overbearing boss and then his underlings kind of succeeding in ways you know while he looks stupid but the other political context for this i actually didn't find anything written about this but um the uh, one of our favorite godzilla podcasts that we've shouted out a few times monsters versus men um alex from that said in their episode japanese networks were fighting each other for ratings by doing more and more grotesque and crazy things on their shows to get viewers and it all culminated in a wrestling match and during the match, and this is in Japan in the 60s, obviously, early 60s. And during the match, one of the wrestlers bites into another wrestler's head, like spilling blood and stuff. And he says that it was so shocking to Japan that two people died while watching the show. Although the other host was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, that kind of gives some interesting context for what's kind of like that would have been familiar to Japanese people at the time. And a lot of the... A lot of the critiques in this movie are valid and stuff even now, but this is more of like an exact kind of critique of a thing, of a trend happening in Japan at that time that I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. I haven't heard that. Um, uh, I bet, I mean, monstrous men are known for making things up to make their podcasts more uh, uh, sensational, so I bet they're making that up. That's a joke. Uh, Charlie's never listened to Monsters vs. Men, so don't... <laughs> <laughs> I have, and I enjoy it. Which but one did you listen to? I think I think the podcast is so good that they must be making stuff up. <laughs> you hear that? You hear that, y'all? <laughs> um, sweet. So, it's kind of trippy. Like, I know he made other movies between, but Shirohana did not direct Raids Again, and this is only the third Godzilla movie, so it's kind of crazy that this is Ashiro Honda's next Godzilla movie after Godzilla 54. I just, can you imagine being Ashiro Honda going from, like, literally thinking that your Godzilla film is going to 
end nuclear weapons testing or that it is such a strong and well-crafted political film that it could do that to making this yeah i mean that that does seem that probably was kind of shitty but we do have to take into context that he's done quite a few movies for toho between then and now and yes some of them like mothra and rodan did have some messaging to it even if it wasn't as uh heavy as the original godzilla but he also did lots of other kind of genre films that were just uh more light-hearted without much message to it so you have to take that into context but still godzilla probably was his baby and probably was his uh kind of a slap in the face to take it from uh i'm gonna end nuclear weaponry to i'm gonna comment on commercialization yeah i mean and i I don't mean to make fun of him with like like he probably knew that the movie itself wouldn't do that you know he just hoped it would have an effect yeah like i'm not trying to talk shit by saying that that was his dream that's an awesome dream and i think more of us should have that when we're making art um but yeah it's just this movie is so silly compared to it that it's just kind of jarring you know yeah, I mean, last night I dreamed about a giant spider. Dreamed in nuclear weaponry sounds a lot better. Yeah, totally, totally. So, as far as, like, the directing, the editing, the cinematography of this movie, anything jump out at you? This is the first time we saw Godzilla in color, and that's uh, that jumps out to that's me. That's true. He is, uh, is it Technicolor? It, I'm pretty sure it is. You said in a previous episode that Technicolor is the best color has ever been. Can you uh, go into that? I don't know a lot about it. But basically, I mean, from my understanding is that uh, it's basically just uh, the, the pinnacle, the peak of what film was at. But it became cheaper to uh, to use less quality uh, um, film processes and film itself. So... As you go on, you get more and more people not using as high-quality stuff to where nowadays Technicolor is pretty much not used at all because it's hella cheap to use other stuff. I Um, see. So it would be cheaper to use film where you don't see the zipper on the back of the the monkey costume. Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, like, like nowadays, like, you find a lot of stuff done, like, digital and stuff like that, and you're not going to get the the quality of uh um i mean just film in general film has a physical quality to it because it's a physical medium so you see things like grain and it gives it a a more um more visually appealing thing than something like digital will but uh but yeah and uh colors in general i don't know the the, i don't know the process of what technicolor exactly was but i do know that that was kind of like film has kind of degenerated since then um I see. In terms of what people use. One of the things that I thought was interesting about the editing or maybe directing of this movie was there were some really cool film transitions or scene transitions, I should say. And I know that Honda's always been kind of known for having interesting transitions, but these ones, it, it felt like even if he's not maybe stoked on the direction the film went, he took advantage of its sillier vibe to do some cool transitions um the like 
the the news guy pointing at like a picture of the Seahawk, the the submarine on the board, and then it zooms in on that, and then suddenly you're seeing the Seahawk, or like there being the loud thunder claps that sound like this roaring thunder, and then boom, you're looking at like a lion roaring on a TV. I thought th- those were kind of neat, and uh, I don't know, I just I like seeing that kind of intentionality, and also it's like kind of pointing out to the to the viewer that this isn't the most serious movie and it's it's a little meta and kitschy, you know? Yeah. Han is a good director. It's true. This one did not have the documentary style that people often say he has, you know? Do they say that? That's like what everybody says about Honda is that he's like famous for having a documentary style, which I'm like, documentaries are literally like basically found footage. So what are you saying about Honda? Yeah. (laughs) And but I just want to often... note here, I'm not part of everybody, apparently. I'm a yeah. unique soul. Yeah, you're a unique soul. Um, I I don't know exactly what they mean, but I assume he has a tendency not to have, like, a lot of moving shots, super close-ups. It's usually kind of just established shots for a lot of things. Uh. Speaking of shots, what was your favorite shot, Charlie? I know you're prepared for that. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Um, the one that jumps out to me the most right now off the top of my head is one of the points where, uh, King Kong, or Richard as I like to call him, he falls What? what? Uh, he falls asleep and- Why do you uh, call him Richard? He asked me to. He asked you to call him Richard? Yes. Is that his first name and Kong is his last name? I'm not questioning him. If you ask me to call him Richard, I'll call him Richard. Okay. I don't know. Well, I don't know him well enough to question him. I don't want him to fucking eat me or something. But you know him well enough that he's giving you a different name to call him. Yeah, I thought he did that to everybody. Maybe I do know him well enough to ask him about it. I thought I thought that was just a standard thing he said to people. Okay. <laughs> Favorite shot. Yeah, he's, like, falling asleep, and there's, like, there's a shot of him, like, on his back, and then, like, all around him are the uh, indigenous people doing their ritual dancing around him. Um, mm. um, off the top of my head, that's the shot that kind of jumps out to me the most. Nice. Mine's also a Kong shot. My favorite shot is when he's being carried by the balloons, being pulled by the helicopter, and one of his legs is, like, way up in the air. It's just, like, it's so silly, but it's it's just so still and beautiful and just out of this world and impossible. And it that's definitely what sticks with me the most. Yeah, and the fact that it came, like, after we saw that montage about his wife dying, it, like, really hits home. God damn it. <laughs> Took me a second. <laughs> I haven't seen Up since theater, so I don't remember what... Okay. Is, wait, is that guy's name Richard? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, okay, that would make this all funnier. <laughs> would make it funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I also really like this movie has quite a few references to the original King Kong, but also this movie's been referenced a lot. So I, I'll be pointing them out throughout. Um, but I liked the reference to this in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, where he's been carried in the net by the helicopters. That was kind of cool throwback. Do you remember the opening music to this movie? Wasn't it? Never mind, because I feel like I'm wrong now that you're asking me. 
I think it was the Kong theme that they used later. Okay, that's what I thought, um, too. Um, sweet. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, because when I started to rewatch it uh, this afternoon, I was like, oh, hey, that's the music that comes up later. I really liked that music. Um, I feel like most of the music in the movie was kind of dull to me, kind of in the background, even though, like, if Akube... Did Ifakube do the music in this one? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, he did. Okay, cool. Um, it felt like he was using his classic Godzilla themes and stuff, but they were mm-hmm. more subdued. They were kind of quieter. And just in general, I wasn't blown away. But I love the opening music, the Kong music, and um, it felt very different than a lot of Ifakube's stuff, which I thought was great. And, or I should say, Ifakube. And then um, I really liked the music that the native folks played, like the with the two different like uh vocal things Mm -hmm. like happening at the same time i thought that was really good yeah i i love the the natives kind of a kong ritual and the music that went along with it um that was one of my favorite parts of the movie overall in general uh yeah overall it just the music didn't blow me away but those kong parts uh specifically i i loved absolutely loved hell yeah great minds great minds Moving on to, like, the monsters, uh, the scenes with monsters, the scenes with effects and cool sets and stuff like that. Um, let's start with Godzilla. What do you think of how Godzilla was depicted? How, hold on one second. How Godzilla was depicted in this one? Um, I mean, I think generally his um, design is pretty cool, but we are getting to the point where they're more just like, yeah, everybody knows this is a giant rubber costume. Who gives a fuck? Um, mm. <laughs> more kind of blatant about that, I guess. Um, I feel like it was less blatant than it was with at least the puppet in Raids Again. For sure. Um, but it was definitely more blatant than it was in the original. Or, yeah. I mean, I feel like his... The part that makes me agree with you, especially, is you can really see the line between the mask and the body. There's like a bulge at the neck where the mask connects with the body. And it's like, come on. But like, I like the design, but there's just something kind of cheap looking about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it makes the Kong costume look amazing. (laughs) I mean, look terrible. It it makes the Kong. It looks great in contrast to the Kong costume, but it's still, there's something about it. That's just more. It's just, it's a, it's very different from what we'll see from even most of the show era, you know? Which is funny because I feel, I think this one had like a pretty big budget considering it was like King Kong and they wanted to sell in America and everything. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's really a trip. Yeah, it's just kind of goofy. Um, also, like the way he walks doesn't seem menacing compared to the other two. It's very just like strutty. It's just the first goofyish Godzilla, and it's mm. that's always something that's hard for me to deal with. I think looking back at like, okay, this was a period of Godzilla, or this was a movie of Godzilla, that's okay to me. But when I think of this as like, this is the next Godzilla, it's really hard for me to be stoked on such a goofy depiction, costume and acting-wise, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, this movie in general, it's really setting up for what we'll see with a lot of the show era, uh, and just a goofier overall kind of um not just with the godzilla himself and his design but yeah it's just uh yeah. we got some goofy movies coming up 
And not totally. not a goofy movie. Sorry for disappointing anybody who got excited for a second. I like his breath effects. I like his back spikes lighting up again. I think they look good. I like when he breathes on that helicopter and it gets shot down. Um, there's a trend in these movies of somebody flying way too close to Godzilla's mouth and getting yeeted. Like, come on. Idiot. Okay, so we've we've talked a bit before about how like like in Raids again he was frozen and this is the first one that continue this is maybe the only Godzilla where it straight up continues the continuity of of it him being where he was before. But that's not true at all. He was on an island of land in Japan covered in snow. Now he's in an iceberg in the Arctic. That's close enough. It's not close enough. It's not even... It's so weird. Like, uh, I'm a judge, and my ruling is it's close enough. That's that's a that's a common thing judges say. Close enough, yeah. bang, bang, bang. Yep, this is legally consummated by the Joe Biden government. Um, what about King Kong? Every now and then... I go to the bathroom and I look and like for some reason my shit looks really fuzzy. Um, <laughs> and that's if I just would add a zipper onto one of those shits, it would look a lot like the King Kong in this movie. I like it. I like it. That's all I'm saying. It's just, it's appalling. From the costume to the way they make him walk, like, he's either has his arms up in the air, like a fucking weirdo, or they're, like, dragging behind him, and it's so clear that the guy in the costume's hands go to a certain point, and the arms and hands extend past there. His eyes are just painted on, like, he just looks so silly. His intimidation moves, when he's trying to intimidate Godzilla, and he's, like, doing this kind of, like putting his shoulders back thrust thing are so funny. Palmer would make a better King Kong. Oh yeah, our friend Palmer, friend of the show, shout out to Palmer, um, used to dress in a gorilla costume. Uh, he was he was part of the band, the Scotch Redemption, and he would <laughs> wear the costume on, on stage, and it was great. What a horrible um, band name. <laughs> that's a perfect ska band name. Like, that's in, totally in line with the ska yeah, of the time horrible. aesthetic. What a horrible genre. <laughs> wow cancelled he's just got a derp face uh his entrance like you're waiting for this scary thing that you're all waiting for it and then his arms are just in the air like he's <laughs> just raising the roof and then he just destroys the natives like wall that's there presumably if it's like the original just to block him so easily and it's just like what is happening <laughs> um, but I I do like, once I embrace the silliness, I love that he's just running through town, stomping buildings while his arms are in the air. <laughs> That's so funny. It it's is very so funny. dumb. <laughs> and I love the scene where he just like is walking and then he walks up to a building, stops, looks up, and then just punches the building. <laughs> it's so good. So there's a part where, like, I feel bad for Godzilla. All he wants to do is destroy Civ. Obviously, he hates civilization, but the power lines keep hurting him, and he can't do it, and it's just making him sad. And then Kong just comes up and eats the power lines. I don't remember that. <laughs> that he's just like awesome. literally. It's like 
I swear it's 30 seconds of him just like just eating power lines and they're electrocuting him. Well, he gains so power from that, right? I Okay, that's my question. Like, Okay, so obviously he, the reason he gets electrocuted and it does something to him is because it was supposed to be Frankenstein. And Frankenstein's monster was uh, charged by electricity or created by electricity. Yeah, well, that's so one thing. That. That's one thing that has always confused me about this because, uh, yeah, that was the original setup, but it was supposed to be King Kong versus Frankenstein. They switched them. Okay. And I think it's because they just wanted Kong to have a power because Godzilla has the breath, kind of like in uh, Godzilla versus Kong, he has the axe, the charge-up mm. axe that's a Godzilla skill because he's got to have something. But my question is, does it give him power or does it just wake him up? Because, like, there's nothing like when he's grabbing Godzilla, his hands are like, but we never see Godzilla be like burned from that. He doesn't seem like stronger. I couldn't tell if it, he's just charged up and it made him not die or if he actually has electric powers. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Same. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I was deciding between saying that or singing the Folgers song. Sing the Folgers song. I'll, I'll take whichever one was better. Um, it's not good. <laughs> the we'll best see. part of waking up is electrocution in your Folgers Kong. Folgers in your Kong. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, and of course this fucking incel grabs Fumiko. And did you notice how much his size changes? Like... He they had to upscale him to be the size of Godzilla, but then he grabs a woman, and then they wanted it to be like the old movie, so they do close-ups on his hand, and it's the same size as like the original Kong holding her, <laughs> because they wanted to show it, but it makes no sense. Yeah, because the original Kong was like what thirty feet or something like that. Thirty feet, and then fifty feet in the yeah. city. Yeah, and now now he has to be like a hundred and fifty feet or something to compete yeah. with Godzilla. Totally. And it's obvious that she's a doll at certain points, and it's just funny. But that's another throwback. And another throwback is um, him climbing on the Diet Building, which is like the government building of in Tokyo, right? Yeah. Um, which is supposed to be kind of like the Empire State Building, but obviously way less epic because it's not super tall. And um, the government and works there. Big. And government sucks. Yeah. Hashtag anarchists. And, and he smashes the government with his butt, which is pretty awesome. Like, so who's more of a, more of an anarchist, Kong or, or Godzilla? Which king is more of an anarchist? No, is the king or the god more of an anarchist? Uh, the god who's king of the monsters. Um, yeah, I think his butt does smash. Like smashing the government building with your butt, you're you probably get the anarchist award in this one. Also, he's just yeah. like trashing the suburbs while partying with his arms, like party on the top business on the on the legs so i smash i might give it to him this movie i smash ann wagner with my butt all the time and that's why i'm known as the greatest anarchist of uh st louis county what's ann wagner she's a republican representative my republican representative gotcha yeah smash her with your butt dude i have and i will continue yeah. to do so awesome did you notice on this watch through any of the weird blue screen stuff? Like when they're doing the balloon setup is the worst part where like they're using a blue screen to show 
Um, I think this is the first one of these movies that used a blue screen and they're like setting it up and there's people in the foreground and it's back before they'd perfected it. So there's just a ref- like they're, they're putting like Kong's having the balloons attached to him and all the humans are just blue man group, like bright blue from the reflection. It's so mm-hmm. bad. I don't know. He's just a derp. Like, I feel like Kong was so silly because they were making fun of America because he was so much sillier than Godzilla He's like somersaults headfirst into a rock, slides all around, bumps his chest in a funny way, has his arms in the air. He just looks like a goddamn derp the whole time. <laughs> and he what <about> wins. The... <laughs> you already said he didn't, so. Um, I don't remember that, so it doesn't count. <laughs> I wrote it and you read it aloud. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about the fights between them um very uh silly (laughs) what what do you mean very uh hilarious wrestling matches (laughs) um uh we we get the first instance of like uh rocks being thrown back and forth which is a classic godzilla film move (laughs) i i i love that because like in in I think Mothra, but definitely in Ghidorah, he's Godzilla is all about the rocks from then on, uh-huh. and, at least for a while. And it's funny to think continuity-wise that he learned it from Kong. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and then not only did he learn it from Kong, but he used it against Kong. Like the last part of the fight before Kong gets zapped again, he's like dumping rocks just on top of Kong and st- Thumping his tail on Kong's face, shooting him with his breath, just brutally destroying Kong. Like, yeah. But yeah, the wrestling is so fucking ridiculous. Like, the tail grab scene is so stupid. They, like, basically hug for a while. There's the classic, like, tree being shoved by Kong into Godzilla's mouth. Oh, yeah, that's, meme. that's one of the all-time classic uh, yeah. shots, Godzilla shots. And there's just a part where they're, I swear they're just hugging for, like, 25 seconds. I mean, um, which is cute. If you ever watch a fighting match, there's lots of hugging going on. True, that's true. You gotta you gotta balance the hate with some love. So that's what my sparring uh, teacher always said. That is what I always said. <laughs> How many pushups you do today? Um, zero today. What about yesterday? A hundred and fifty, I think. Damn, dude, crazy. Not not great. I feel like I I was telling all my roommates, like, oh, I talked to Charlie, and he said he did, like, 450 push-ups this time I was recording. And then I went and listened, and you said 350. And I was like, damn, I'm already, like, exaggerating on Charlie's behalf. <laughs> even buffer. I don't know why I'm subconsciously doing that. I've been, I've been pretty bad lately on it. Um, yeah, that's uh, fucked up. 150 yesterday? Come on, dude. <laughs> Idiot. So for all the silliness... Nakajima, I can't believe I'm about to say this because we've said this in like half the episode, but Nakajima almost died in the filming of this, the stunt guy uh, who played Godzilla. I thought you were going to say, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Nakajima, get out of here. You should be fired. No, Nakajima's the man. Um, So let's let's go through the count. Godzilla 54, he gets electrocuted and his heart stops and they have to restart it. Rodan... He falls 25 feet into the water in a suit, and it's filling up with water, and they have to save him. And then they lift him again, and the wires almost break again, or they do break again, I can't remember. 
then Varan, his groin gets burnt, and he has to put a bunch of weed leaves in his pants to stop that. I, I don't remember if anything happened in Mothra, but in this one, in the last scene of the last fight, when the two monsters fall into the sea, he's on the bottom, and he hit his head at the base of the cliff, which was actually the edge of the stage, went unconscious underwater. No one knew he was unconscious, so he was unconscious drowning underwater, and then they realized and went down and fucking saved his life. How the fuck is this guy almost dying every time for these movies, dude? I wonder what he got paid. Oh, man, I don't... I bet it's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, Probably. imagine almost dying four times for a job yeah. and then still doing it for decades. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know people in, like, construction and shit and, like, like people even doing, like, trash pickup and shit have that happen, but it's just crazy for a fucking Godzilla movie, dude. Worth it. All right, let's get to the to the boss. The boss. Let's get... Let's get to the fucking beast that everybody is here for the giant octopus that's some weird ass shit charlie you're the <laughs> cephalopod fan what would you think i didn't like the fact that Subaraya ate the octopus afterwards did he really supposedly yeah he uh i know they used it. five octopuses oh really yeah the story i've always read is that um at the end of shooting he ate the octopus but Damn. I've never read that there's like multiple octopus, octopi, octopodiotis. It's octopuses, but continue. I, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just uh, apocryphal um, and not true. Or that's... just some racist shit because they like eating octopuses in Japan. I mean, they like eating octopuses here. Uh, not as much as in Japan. True, but we're not as much of a seafood culture as Japan. Totally. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with eating octopuses. I've eaten octopus. I'm just saying that uh, I could see that being perpetuated, even if it's not true, but I don't know. For sure. Yeah, I mean, also, I've also heard that it's supposed to be a reference to the fact that wasn't it like Godzilla originally, like, one of the envisions of Tsuburaya was it to be like an octopus monster? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I did think it was cool at the start that it was just, like, real. Like, it was kind of uh -huh. funny because, it, obviously, they couldn't control it. So it was, like, this <laughs> yeah. writhing, slimy thing that's just, like, for no reason, just deciding to squeeze its body on top of a house um, <laughs> with the kid in it. And it was kind of interesting, just an interesting take, right? Like, a, a very, you were saying it's a seafood culture, like, a very uh, Japanese take on what would be on Infant Island or Faroe Island in this case. Instead of dinosaurs and stuff, it would be a giant octopus. That's kind of cool. And I really liked realizing another uh, callback thing, that this is what inspired, I'm sure, the fight between the giant octopus and Kong in Kong Skull Island that I always felt was kind of out of place, but now I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, it's a throwback. That's sick. Mm. You no, know I'm talking mm. about? You saw that. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yep. But in that one, uh, Kong didn't just pick it up and start sucking its genitals, which is very different than this one. Um, and, but maybe he should have, and maybe I would make the movie better. True. Do you know when he did that, why the octopus suddenly looks so different? No. So this was a guy in a suit picking up a real octopus to put on his face. And the octopus was wet and slimy and slippery and he couldn't hold it. So they covered it in cellophane 
And when you know that and rewatch that scene, it is very clear. Like at first, when I watched the first time, I was like, oh, the octopus looks a little weird. It must be fake. And then you watch again, you're like, this is just an octopus covered in cellophane. Like very clearly. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. And poor octopus, man. That sucks. I'm sure the whole thing sucks for the octopus. Probably. Smart animals, octopus. Everybody, respect your local octopus. They're smart. Oh, yeah. They're going to be next, dude. Like, when we die off, it's either the octopuses or the raccoons that are taking over the planet. Wait, octopuses or raccoons? Octopuses or raccoons are next on the evolutionary timeline to to, uh, rule, to dominate the Earth. I get octopus, octopus octopusi. Um... But raccoon eye explained smart, adaptable to civilization, opposable thumbs, cool faces, cool faces. There we go. Okay, now I now I get it. <laughs> so yeah, there's the part where it's real, and then there's the the um the stop motion where it's like limbs or stop motion grabbing people, which doesn't look great, but is pretty cool. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. Part. I like that. The part where the spears and torches are flying at it is some of the worst effects in the entire thing. Like, did you notice that, like, they're throwing them at, like, a screen so you can see the shadows on the screen of everything that's thrown? It looks so bad. I don't remember, but I'll take your word for it and say, yeah, that's, like, probably one of Honda's top three worst moments. (laughs) I'm glad you uh I'm glad you agreed with me on that on the first thing. There's also some of the um the the characters all being blue because of the blue screen on that scene, but yeah. Yeah, also um, one of Honda's top 3 worst moments. Yeah. Oh man, we're in such agreement today. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Uh the submarine and the military scenes. Man, those English actors, the English speaking actors are bad news. They're just <laughs> they're just You're not just... good actors. You're just anti-America. No. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, why would you say that? Because you have behind you a flag, the American flag, but inside of a cancel uh, circle. <laughs> it's Yeah, so I can't, I get no respect, man. I come on here, Charlie's saying I'm anti-America. I go on Twitter all the Marxist Leninists are saying that all I do is is like feed fucking uh, uh, CIA propaganda into my veins. I can't win. I can't win. All I'm saying is you have two flags behind you. One is an American flag and a cancel uh, symbol, and one hey, is it's an not American... an American flag if it's black with a blue line. And I was gonna say one is an American flag with a blue <laughs> line in it. <laughs> oh, did you see the other one? It's just an American flag. Oh, and cancel. And yeah. it says. Always doing good, except for when we fought the Nazis. Oh, wow, I've never seen an American flag with a little caption on it, but okay. It's funny because we, we already have it in an episode before. I don't think I cut it where you were like confused by what was behind me, and it's the only poster behind me, which is a flaming police car. <laughs> and so people already know that. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think that they just didn't really have a pool of English-speaking actors, so they grabbed just, like, people who, like, are in Japan teaching English or doing, like, random jobs there to do the roles, and it's kind of funny. Mm. Another thing that the Monsters vs. Men podcast pointed out that I thought was funny is, like, okay, so this there's this exploratory mission where the submarine is going off 
and they're doing an exploratory mission, blah, blah, blah. And they find this iceberg and it's glowing. So they decide to investigate it. And then they're stuck there and they're like, how will any of us, fi- anyone find us? And they, they put out the like, like, please help us like liquid the yellow stuff into the water so that people see them. And then a helicopter happens to see them. But then when Godzilla breaks out, he's close enough to their base that the tanks can shoot him. So they were like hundreds of feet from where they left. And like, no one cares. No one's like, where'd they go? Should we just look like right there where we can see? It's just so funny. (laughs) But yeah, I really, I really liked the entrance of Godzilla in this one. The first time we hear him is the Godzilla roar and then the fire going into the submarine. That was kind of cool. Can you give us a roar? Hold on. Uh, I I have, I don't have any nitrous. uh, I don't have any whippets like queued up. Capitalism. This is your fault. What'd you say? This is capitalism's fault. In the Soviet thought... Union, nitrous is always queued up. <laughs> I'm queuing it up. I'm queuing it up. incredible thank you i thought it was pretty good myself i like when he smashes the military base um he's like melting it and knocking it over and lighting shit on fire but my favorite part is that all the tanks just run away at part way through like they're like oh never mind and they all run away and like the garage doors close on them or something i don't know if that happens but i thought that was cool but man the miniatures are just so bullshit compared to mothra like mothra was just made and it was so good and this is just yeah blah. yeah uh, it's all very obviously miniatures <laughs> it looks ridiculous they don't break apart in a cool way or anything you know yeah yeah and in general the whole time i can't believe my voice still sounds like this um the military just sucks like the whole i mean i think part of it maybe is thematically but the military's plans through the whole movie are just boring and dumb like they keep coming up with these plans let's shock him we've already tried that in a different movie it didn't work let's do traps like how do you know godzilla's gonna come to your traps why do godzilla's why does godzilla come to your traps like it just seems dumb and silly and i don't care about it the whole time you know yeah my plan would be either Let's create an oxygen destroyer, or let's create an avalanche over him. Those would be my plans. That's that's smart, Charlie. You're smart. You're smart <laughs> Alright, let's move on to the uh, the sets and stuff of Faroe Island itself. The, the home of Kong and the giant octopus and the indigenous folks. Um, what do you think of the island sets in general? Like the yeah, the map paintings, the sets, all of it. I think I liked it. Am I wrong? You you can't be wrong about whether or not you liked something. <laughs> but I don't remember. I um, think I liked it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, compared to Mothra, they were certainly more vast. I mean, they nothing was as cool as some of the sets in Mothra to me. Like, the, the, the Mushroom Crystal Cave was so cool. I liked... I mean, there were just multiple places. Um, I thought they had cool tree houses. And... Yeah, I mean, well, the Mothra stuff was really contained to kind of like small areas, while yeah, this was exactly. more uh, open-ended, outdoorsy. So yeah, had, I, I yeah. felt like 
the foliage and stuff looked better than Mothra, I think. But the the like village itself looked really cheap to me. The the matte painting of the wall that was supposed to be like the wall in King Kong thirty three just looked so shitty and cheap compared to King Kong. I don't know. I wasn't and like the scene where the guy's swinging the alligator around and it's just clearly a rubber alligator. I don't know. It just felt very cheap and I know it's supposed to be funny, but it it really just didn't feel up to par with the rest of the movie to me. I don't remember that scene, so I disagree. <laughs> nice. He's literally uh what's his name? It's so hard to keep track of which character is which in this movie because they're all pretty bland, but of the three main guys, but it's uh Kinsaburu, he is swinging a toy little alligator around in circles, yelling, get it off me, get it off me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so silly. And I feel like while we're here, we might as well talk about the fucking depiction of the natives in this movie, which is hopefully we'll be through this era soon. But like, I'm so tired, man. I mean, you should try to get more sleep. You know what I mean, man. I'm just... It's its so bad. They do hella blackface again. I think it's better blackface than in Mothra, but, like, is it more racist to do the blackface better? better? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, That's a great philosophical question. Oh yeah, that's some fucking deep shit. Um it it's just weird how they depict them. Like the the chief speaks broken English. I don't know why. What was up with the translator, dude? Do you remember the translator? Yeah, what do you mean what was up with him? Like he was like blackface also and he was just so wacky. Like he was always bug-eyed and like he had his arms up in the air in a way that made me think Kong was making fun of him. Like he always was doing this weird like over the head thing with his arms. Um and he doesn't come on the back with on the boat with them. Like he just <laughs> decides to live on the island, I think. Yeah, I assumed he was some kind of contact they had made, but like yeah, it's weird because it's not explained at all. Like, how did they know this guy who could translate the language of this island? Um, was he an islander himself? Was he? Yeah, they don't explain it at all. We don't really know any context to who he was. But uh, cool guy. Yeah, he, he's a chill dude. I mean, it's just weird. Like the the indigenous folks, like the women, are doing all the hard labor that we see. Like they're like pushing the the like grinding thing to grind the berries and then like the they just like become the two explorer dudes our main characters like servants like when they're out looking for kong they're just carrying their stuff and it's just like why the fuck would they do that like why would they just naturally fall into a weird caste system even though they're uncontacted as far as we know like what the fuck is that yeah and there's also, like, there's this light-skinned woman with the largest coconut bra, and she's obviously the center of attention of the film, and it's just, like, really? Like, I don't know. It's just all pretty appalling. And Yeah, but 60s, I mean, you'd... they got a good supply of cigarettes. That scene, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so, so first they give the radio, and that's interesting, but then they're giving out cigarettes, 
And first of all, the natives know what they are and immediately start lighting them and lighting their cigarettes with each other's cigarettes. Like they, like they, <laughs> they know this shit. But then, you know, the most glaring part of that scene. Bring it up. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know which is the most glaring part. Uh, I assume you're talking about him giving children cigarettes, but... Yes, I am! I mean, what's wrong with that? I've given quite a few kids cigarettes in my day. Oh my god, Charlie, stop it. Look. He's like, he gives They the really enjoy candy cigarettes. I assume they'll enjoy the real thing. I just, not only does he give the kids cigarettes, but he's like, oh, I shouldn't, but like, okay, just don't tell your mom. And so, like, <laughs> the mom's I know like, give me wrong. one. <laughs> it just felt like, oh, you're not, you're not a Japanese kid, so I don't care if you smoke. Like, I don't know. It's just such a trip. Like, giving a child a cigarette. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, I mean, this was in 1962. Um, That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Still. <laughs> I mean, I do it in 2021, so I can't Charlie pass. doesn't do that. He's trying to be funny. Don't leave him. <sighs> I have never tried to be funny. As evidence, my lack of being funny. As evidence, by my lack of being funny. But yeah, I, I don't understand why they're like, you can't stay here, you must go home, and then they hand out cigarettes, and ten seconds later, it's like, you can stay. They also gave him a transistor radio with really That incredible... didn't help, though. What? They handed him a radio, and he still wanted him to go. Yeah, he handed him the radio and then cigarettes, so this is a package you. But you know they're out of cigarettes, so what's the point? And also, you don't know what a cigarette is yet. How do you know they can stay? You don't even know what that is. They were very impressed by the radio. That's true. They were impressed by the radio. I mean, that radio had really amazing audio quality. It's just really going to suck for them when they uh, find out that the batteries are going to die eight hours later. Yeah, that's that's totally true. But <laughs> I just, I, I don't get why they let them stay just because they gave them these sticks that you can burn that they don't know that they make you feel good yet. Like, they just <laughs> handed them to you. Okay, so these these indigenous folks, they call Kong their god multiple times. And then they get the god drunk. And it seems to be this thing that they're used to because Kong gets drunk and they all play the drums and he goes to sleep and they know how it works, right? Mm -hmm. But then the two explorer dudes just take Kong. Like, don't you think that the people would be like, no, that's our god? Uh, no. Because they also had a fear of him, so they're probably like, yeah, take this motherfucker away. We don't want this lightning god around here. Fair enough. Okay, good point. Good call, good call. Yeah. I don't want no gods around here. That's why I named my podcast No Gods. No Monsters. Good call, good call. We do want monsters, but that's why we put gods first. To throw <laughs> off the gods. What are your general thoughts about the uh, the story as far as the humans go capitalism bad commercialism bad pharmaceutical companies bad tv good but not one too influenced by sponsors that's bad man your general thoughts are way more superficial than mine well i no other way around yours are more superficial than mine you're you have no, no you have dumb thoughts Nope. My general thoughts are 
Why are these two pharma ad guys the only ones sent to an island to find a giant monster? I don't know what you mean. Neither of them are good at monster catching. Apparently they are pretty good at monster catching, so disagreed. Fair enough. Okay, let's go into the characters, which you know <laughs> so well by heart, uh, by their names and by their faces. Oh, shit. This is like a pop quiz type of situation. For me, the characters... The first time watching it, the three short-haired guys, I got so confused between the first time watching it. Like, and the only reason I did better the second time is because I was, like, pausing and taking notes of their names. In fact, to the point where I don't know where the main character's name is ever said. Like, I never caught it. I paused it. I went back. I looked. I'm sure I missed it, but I never caught it. Yeah, I mean, like I said... um, I meant to watch it twice today, and only watched it once, so I was dozing on and off, and I was so confused by who the fuck was who, and uh, yeah, so I'm right there with you. I don't know what character is what. Um, Alright, let me, let me break down my understanding of it, and hopefully I'm right. Osamu is the main character. He's the brother of Fumiko, the girl. Osamu... His, like, main partner in crime is Kinsaburo, who's the guy who's playing drums and the guy who goes onto the island with him. Kazuo is Fumiko, who's Osamu's brother, or who's Osamu's sister, is Kumiko's boyfriend, and he goes with them towards Faroe Island, but he stays on the ship, and he's the one who rescues Fumiko twice. That's my understanding of the three main guys. Yeah, that's what I got from it. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, which one is played by Kenji Sahara? Kenji Sahara is Kazuo Fujita, who's um, Fumiko's boyfriend. Okay. He's the one who creates the thread or shows the thread that's super strong. Ah. So, um, characters. Osamu is the main character. He's just fucking kind of boring, man. He's just a nerd. He's like reluctant to go to the to the island, but he's he's pushy about it with his sidekick. And I do like that he just wants Kong to get back home at the end. It's nice of him, but he's just fucking boring, man. It's just a super boring leading guy. Kin uh, Saburo is his sidekick, and I guess the two of them were kind of famous in Japan as like a comedy duo. He plays drums in that pharmaceutical commercial. He mm. keeps wanting to leave the island, but Osamu is like, no, we have to keep doing this. And the thing I remember most about Kinsaburo is when they're both in Hawaiian shirts on the ship and they have to sh- try to shoot the TNT to blow up King Kong. Kinsaburo is using the rifle scope like I did the first time I used a rifle scope, which is to say very wrong. Where he, like, jammed his eye up against the glass, which is not how you do it. And he does that for every shot, and it just drives me crazy. It's (laughs) so stupid. And right next to him is Osamu doing it totally correctly, and he never caught on, and no one told him to do it the right way. That's that's funny. That's good writing. That is good writing. But, yeah, that is one thing. uh, When they're both shooting at the TNT to explode the, the Kong... Wasn't one of them before was adamant about capturing the uh, mammoth evil spirit, 
um, for for their boss, and now even when their boss is there telling them to not not explode it, he's still trying to explode it. Uh, right? Well, because they right? think they're gonna die. What? Like he's waking up and they're right there, so they're like, "Oh, we're gonna die. We gotta blow him up." Right, but this whole time he's been like. He's been the one that's like, we got to capture him. Like, stop being a coward. We got to capture him. We got to capture him. And then they're there and they have him. And even though his boss is there telling him to leave it alone, leave it alone, he now changes his mind. Right? Am I right? Yeah, because now they're in, like, really imminent danger. He's tied to their boat and they're going to die. That's Right, I'm just pointing out that's some character development I appreciated. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's good. There's some yeah. character development. I would not expect that of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to add something to the character aspect here. No, okay? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, then we have Kazuo. I mean, honestly, I was I almost didn't even include characters in the outline because I don't care about these characters except for Mr. Taiko or Taco, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. So yeah, but um. Kazuo is kind of funny. He's the inventor with the thread. He's constantly saving Fumiko. And I really like the first scene where you meet him, where Osamu... God, I keep having to look up his name because I can't remember. Osamu comes home to the apartment him and his sister share, I believe. And his sister and, and uh, is making dinner. And she gives Kazuo a huge steak and her and him a beer. And then gives osamu no beer and a tiny steak and i i don't know that whole scene was kind of funny and she's like, he's like you gave him a way bigger steak and she's like i don't know what you're talking about um, osamu's kind of creepy there too like he's basically like he doesn't say these words but he's like you two just had sex didn't you and it's like adults have sex shut the fuck up about your sister's love life just yeah and he, he pushes like a napkin up against uh the guy's lips like to prove like oh there's lipstick there's lipstick on your lips <laughs> that's so creepy and weird i know my <laughs> sister's lipstick anywhere like why <laughs> i don't like that what about fumiko i mean she gets monstered a lot right i mean yeah she's just she's just a fucking damsel in distress dude yeah it's such a bummer like she's not given much to do but she's worrying all the time and then she she actually goes to save Kazuo, which is nice, but she doesn't save him, and Kazuo's, like, says that's ridiculous in a way that makes her look foolish, and then she's, like, a damsel in distress, like, twice. Like, it's just, it's just a shitty role, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where she's, like, running with all these people, and they're all running and freaking out, and then she just ends up by herself, and Kazuo saves her, and it's like, how did you end up alone? You were literally in a mob of people. Like, where did everyone else go? I don't know, seems dumb. Alright, let's move on to the star of the show. Mr. Taco, T-A-K-O, Mr. Taco, Taco. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He steals the show, right? Yeah, he's uh, very fun. He's just this ultra slapstick capitalist i guess um yeah he's just a really ridiculous caricature of a super commercialization asshole is he supposed to be like the head of pacific pharmaceuticals or just like the ad agency head or do we not know? i don't know wasn't there a point in, the, in the, like the beginning where he's like you gotta think like an 
ad man and figure out what people want and then he gets a call and he's like talking to the phone he's and you hear over oh, here yeah. like the person on the phone saying like you gotta think like an ad man and figure out what people want oh. or something like that I didn't re- realize that you overheard the same thing he said, but yeah, it does feel like he has a boss above him. You're right. He's not the head. That's, yeah. That's true. But that's like the only part where we really see it, I think. Unless I'm totally. Mistaken. He's just, he's so funny and goofy, but he's also kind of dynamic and he's just a funny evil villain, right? Like yeah. he's just such a weird villain. Um, he's incredibly superficial. Like he uses the coin flip to make all of his decisions, which yeah, like, he's like, like uh, just a game. He's the Godzilla franchise as, um, Anton sugar. Is that his name? Like Scarface? Or I mean, uh, two face. No, the, uh, the assassin from, um, no country for old men. Oh, that's right. That's right. Who stole it from two face who flips a coin. Okay. Um, obviously stolen from batman i like that his staff is totally ineffective at following his orders constantly and he's just like grabbing his hair <laughs> freaking out he'll be like do this and they're like oh i'm eating ramen and he's like do it <laughs> he definitely like pretends to care he's like a pr man like he pretends to care about stuff but it's just for his own ends like when they tell him the government's like you're smuggling kong he's actually not permitted on the island he goes, but doesn't that infringe on King Kong's rights? Which is like one of the, like yeah. this movie's supposed to be funny and most of it doesn't land, but that was one of the funniest lines of the movie to me. I also thought it was funny, like during the, did you like have like a little party and then two of them are, the two that are like going off to find Kong, they're told like, you're reckless or something like that. And then they're like, we're not the reckless ones. He's the reckless one talking about, uh, whatever his name is, the boss, um, Taka. Uh, and that's just, it's funny cause it's like, well, he's the boss. His recklessness is him telling you to go sacrifice, yeah. to go put your that's life true. on the line. <laughs> that's so true. Um, and he, he's just a silly man. I love when him and all the, uh, his like, underlings and and our main characters are like are trying to watch the fight and uh they're like holding branches up as camouflage and it's just like so obvious um (laughs) that's pretty fucking funny like he's just so silly uh he he really he really took it like i feel like he's basically the main character i i love the shot too where he's like i gotta go out and then he's like rappelling from the helicopter and it's just like that (laughs) it's just so silly he would never do that yeah. Okay, as an honorable mention, I just, I always got to bring up when Serizawa's in the film. I don't remember the actor's name, but he plays a guy named Shinigawa, not Shirazawa, Serizawa. And it's just kind of funny to me that this dude's in every goddamn movie. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a goat. It's like Nakajima, he's a goat. It's true. The meaning, the messages, the politics of the film. So obviously this movie is like a weird satire of itself. It's like a critique of advertising trends and commercialization and even pharmaceutical companies and like the entertainment industry and maybe capitalism. Who knows? Um, A lot of that is taken from who we were just talking about, the Mr. Taco character. He starts off being like, why are we contributing to a science show that doesn't make us money? Um... 
he like insists that we'll treat the monsters well and we'll bring them here and we'll treat them well. Obviously, he has no intention of doing that. He just wants to get higher ratings. When Kong is threatening people, he's like, we can't kill him. He's our sponsor. Like, he's very much a a caricature of like the vapidness of the the culture of the time. And like we mentioned earlier, this was a time when advertising and like the TV was was going to new lengths to get viewers. But a lot of this stuff is stuff that to us seems kind of like the word I want to use is beige, like very bland compared to the commercialization of stuff that we deal with now. But that at the time would have seemed very funny to make fun of because it's it's new. Like there's the scene where there's a pharmaceutical commercial where the guy's playing drums and drums have nothing to do with, with fucking pharmaceutical products. But at the time, I think that was crazy to them. But to us, it's like, yeah, no commercials have anything to do with the product they're selling. We're used to this shit. You know what I mean, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what the pharmaceutical product they were selling was. So I didn't know if drums. Oh, it's a pill that makes you better at drums. I know it had to do with like energy, like gave you more energy sure. or something like that. That's kind of what I assumed it was. You might be right. I never even assumed that. I just thought it was like a look how ridiculous this commercial is. Oh, it's about a pill. You could be right. Usually am. So we'll just go with that. Especially when you talk about how you're pro Biden 2024. One of our listeners said that their favorite bit was Charlie trolling me by saying Biden 2024, so I'll keep it in. I'll keep it in. Just for you, Palmer. And my response was, I don't remember that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, there's also the scene where God's, they're like, Godzilla's all over the media, and then there's a movie, too. Like, it feels very meta. Like, obviously, they're making fun of yeah, that there's a movie called Godzilla. I agree with that. Definitely uh, was intentionally meta. Props up for that. And then uh, suddenly Kong's all over the news, and that's all Taco cares about, and he's just so excited that Kong's all over the news, and he's not even thinking about the fact that his workers are, like, trapped with Kong on a boat and potentially in danger, and it it just kind of shows the, you know, ratings are more important than human life, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, like and subscribe. <laughs> to our podcast wherever podcasts are podcasted do it do it i command ye with my godzilla breath <sighs> there are quite a bit of meta moments we've mentioned a lot but um there's the scene where um someone says which is stronger king kong or godzilla and then the response is stupid idiot it's not a wrestling match and then taco's like Oh, let's wait. That's a good idea. Let's make it a wrestling match, which I feel like is interesting because people probably in line for this movie were saying, who's stronger, King Kong or Godzilla? And it's kind yeah. of like making fun of us as the viewer, you know? That's also a particularly funny line because, like, I believe the last time we see Taco, he's, like, in a regular suit. And then he's like, I'm going to go change. And then we see him reappear after changing as he's, like, Oh, let's make it a wrestling match, and he's like in a safari, uh, yeah. outfit. So it's kind Those of very safari uh, outfits. Yeah, it's kind of both visually and uh, uh, thematically a funny little part. 
Yeah. Somebody is like, they're laughing at King Kong. And I feel like that was very meta because like, that's probably, this is the first time that, I mean, Son of Kong was kind of a comedy, but this is obviously a comedy with King Kong and we're all laughing at King Kong. And then they're looking at the camera being like, they're laughing at King Kong. How could they do this? And it's like almost a comment on the writing and directorial choices of this very movie, you know? Uh-huh. I want to read a quote from, again, Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men. This one it talks about David Collat, your boy, who writes about Godzilla movies. Yeah. Is that cool? My best friend. Yeah, he's my nice. best friend. Damn, dude. I didn't know I was, like, lowered on the total. Damn. Okay. I was disappointed you didn't tag him in our uh, Godzilla episode. I'm sorry. Um, Is he on Twitter? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I checked so I could say I'm disappointed you didn't. Uh, Wait, like really, him. really, really? Because I'll follow him. Yeah, he is. Okay, I'm gonna follow him. Um, Why do you think I'm lying to you? Have I ever lied to you? Yeah, all the time, like every single second. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know about that. Here's the quote: Author David Klatt has speculated that the film is a satire on crass commercialism and promotional advertising. At one point, when Kong is trying to free himself from the raft and water is sprayed about the ship's deck, Taco covers himself with an umbrella advertising Pacific Pharmaceutical. And while this is certainly true, others have suggested a deeper meaning in that the film is not so much a clash of Eastern and Western monsters, but a case of the Japanese cinematically bragging about how their economy was now capable of taking on the economy of the Western powers, specifically the United States. So yeah, the Jap- the, the Japanese economy was booming uh, in the 1950s and on, and it's kind of an interesting other meta or whatever symbolic narrative to to be like mocking Kong and showing that like, the next Kong movie is a Japanese movie and Godzilla yeah. is less goofy than Kong. And I, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And even the next King Kong movie is uh, Japanese too. That's true. Which I still haven't yeah. seen King Kong escapes. I'm excited to take that America. Yeah. Mechanic Kong will kick your ass. Yeah. So I think another theme that's not like super beating over the head with it. I mean, it is, but like not intentionally is just the like whole explorer colonialism mentality. Um, like you mentioned earlier, the safari outfits, like the safari outfits are so ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Giving the cigarettes to the natives and the kid, the radio, like Osamu clearly shows the ignorance of the city people. Like, He's like, oh, they're God. They think thunder is their God. What idiots. But really, like, the thunder is what's scaring them because it energizes Kong and he's wrong. <laughs> but, like, he can't see that they're wrong. It kind of reminds me of Varan, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And, like, throughout the movie, the military tactics never work. And eventually they decide to put Kong to sleep, which is an idea they got from the indigenous folks. But they, of course, never give them credit. They're just like, oh, these missiles and these electricity and these traps aren't working. Oh, let's put him to sleep. But they're not like, oh, shit, maybe we should like also think about how these natives are living their lives and that we're making a bunch of bad decisions. They just move on and take the credit, you know? Yeah, one thing that bothered me about that was um, 
I think it was Taco himself that came up with the idea of let's let's use that juice to put him back to sleep, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, and I'm like, that guy's like the villain of the movie. Like, true. I don't want to give him. It just sucks that he was given credit for something for for that idea. I guess. Yeah, totally. But he didn't get anything he wanted, and he stole it from the natives anyway. So at least that's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think he wanted to get the natives addicted to cigarettes, and he got that. That's that's true. That's true. Finally, there's like a weird environmental message in this movie that's so fucking obscure and confusing. It's like in your face, but also non-existent. So the opening lines of the movie are about the earth and its fragility and its mystery. It's questions about the origin of life itself. And then obviously that's cut off by this meta factor of like the person talking about whatever, the person being on TV and then like the board, uh, uh taco like the board ad guy being like ah this is boring so like making fun of of that message but then the final lines of the movie in classic ishiro honda fashion are i guess we as humans must change the way we treat plants and animals and learn from them that is all i have to say which is such a ridiculous final line for this movie charlie like (laughs) it did not earn that I don't remember that at all. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's the final line of the movie. It, like, is that what they really... Like, obviously, I think Honda was like, we gotta put that in, because he's like a final line message guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a few times throughout that they kind of hint towards that, like, uh, that same guy, that was the uh, Sarazawa, I forget the name of the guy he played, but um, saying that, and he says, like, God's, earlier in the movie, he says, Godzilla will return to Japan. All animals remember where they were born. There's also that weird scene where the radio says, Kong is a real animal. Godzilla is a monster born from radiation, which is just so confusing. Like, why? (laughs) Why did you say that? (laughs) But like, yeah, we should treat animals better, but is that really what you got from this movie? Like, it just seems it's, it has nothing to do with the main themes. Like, yes, of course you treated Kong like shit. Yes, of course you treated Godzilla like shit, but most of this movie was about the weird media shit, the entertainment industry, the, the the ad agencies, the pharmaceutical companies, and then you're just like, we should think about animals, learn from them. <laughs> That's so weird. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Also, they're talking about treating animals better, but they're carrying Kong with all these balloons. Then they release the balloons to drop Kong. So you're releasing a bunch of balloons to go choke a bunch of whales and you're talking about how we should treat animals better? Fucking hypocrites. <laughs> Bullshit. All right, Charlie, we're into the section where we do our concluding thoughts. I'm assuming because you haven't had a chance to really dissect this movie recently, you don't have a dumb cop award. I don't. My idea was just to agree with whatever you said. You could just say all cops are dumb. All cops are dumb, except for, um, no, never mind. Good. I was going to say, I've been playing, uh, you know what? I can't think of the name of the game, so cut this out. What game? What have you been playing, dude? Uh, the game where you're a cop and you're dumb. Oh, Dumb Cops Are Us. No, it's like an, it's made by like anarchists, um. 
or Marxist. And oh, you've been telling me about this anarchist or Marxist. That's funny. <laughs> I, I meant Marxist to correct my anarchist comment. Because um, I think they they thanked Marx in one of their uh, award speeches. Uh, you told me a bit about this. What's it called? Look it up. It's like considered one of the greatest recent games, and you can't even think of it because you're stupid. I am dumb, but you you told me about it recently, and I'm trying to remember. Um, Disco Elysium is the name of the game. You play a cop in it, and you try to figure out this uh, murder mystery about uh, a union struggle against uh, the company. Um, I've heard good I, things about that. It's it's great, but I, I basically set this whole thing up like saying, like, oh, except for all cops are dumb except for that cop, but a big part of the game is that your cop is kind of fucked up and stupid. Oh, so, shit. So sorry, take that back. <laughs> so it's a bad cop. Yeah, I mean, also, you kind of, like... Uh, you form who he is, but generally, yeah, he's going to be a, a stupid, shitty cop who... Yeah. It's a great game. Check it out. Sounds great, dude. Yeah. My whole problem recently has been I just don't want to play any video games except for uh, Overwatch, because that's the only video game that matters. Totally. Okay, so do you don't have anyone for a dumb cop award? Nope, don't remember the movie enough to think of any cops, so like I said, I was just going to agree with whatever you said. Okay, so the cop that both me and Charlie pick is multiple times throughout the movie, the main characters try to go through checkpoints, or they go through areas where like military-looking people look like they're supposed to be stopping them, and they just get through. Like, there's a scene where the main characters just get to a checkpoint, and they're like, oh, you can't go through, and then they just push through anywhere, and the person's like, ah! And to me, that's the dumb cop award, is the people, or specifically the person on the first military checkpoint who's like, what? What are you doing? Ah! Because, like, your entire point is that you're not supposed to let people through, and you're just like, oh, no, you can't go through! And you think that's the, like... That's that's your job, and it's not. You're a fucking idiot. You just do your job, idiot. Dumbass. Yeah. Let, let people go where they want to go. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but you beat me to it. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, so it's time to rate this movie. So we have to rate it on two scales. We have to rate it on the Godzilla scale, because it's a Godzilla movie, and the King Kong scale, because it's a King Kong movie. So, Charlie, can you walk us through the King Kong scale? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Giant ape is S. Giant fucking ape, yeah, S. Giant fucking ape. I don't like cussing, but I'll do it for the for the scale. I'll Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. A is Donkey Kong. B is Dino Suplex. C is Diddy Kong. D is Rabbit. Um I don't remember what D is. D is can't peel banana. Hands are too big. D is can't peel bananas. Hands are too big. Can't do it. I can't get this this leverage on this little strip. Yeah. Um, E is F. F is 
Insulate. F is insulate. I got this. <laughs> hey, All look. Right. I'm drinking. You're not. Stop. I had three 7.5% beers tonight, Charlie. All right. I drank for the first time this week. I had three heartbreaks and uh, 29 beers. So Also... There's like, hold on, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 25 spent Whippet canisters on my desk. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, but I had emotional trauma. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, so we're rating this movie, because it's a Godzilla movie and a King Kong movie, and it might be a different place based on the parameters set by that series so let's both start with the godzilla scale okay from s to f where do you rate this on the godzilla scale charlie so like i said i don't think i gave this movie much of a fair viewing so it could be changed um in future watches i think it'd be different the first time i watched it but based on my most recent watch of this morning when i was in a very rotten mood and i was dozing on and off and uh I've had a horrible week, so I'm going to give it a C based on the Godzilla scale. Interesting. I was so sure you would be upset with me by my rating, and I gave it a C on the Godzilla scale. Based on the first time I watched it, it probably would have been a B, and sure. maybe in future watches it will be, but I was just in a... I've been in a bad place this week. Um, I'm sorry, man, and so I hear that, that. That influences it. I um when I first watched it, so I have this I have this kaiju movie rating lit document on my computer, and so as soon as I finished it the first time, I went on and I rated it, and I gave it a C. And then I watched it again last night, and I was like, man, I actually kind of like this movie. Where's it fall? And then I went, and I realized. It's still a C. Like, I like it, but it's just at the top of C, whereas before it was at the bottom of C, which just seems like a very big, because C is average, you know? It seems yeah. like a very big range, but it never moved from C, even from when I really didn't like it to when I kind of like it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what do you give it on the King Kong scale? Um, I guess on the King Kong scale, I'm going to bump it up, and I'm going to give it a Dino Suplex. Um, and because I like Diddy Kong more than Dino Suplex, I'm also going to give it Diddy Kong's Peanut Boppers. That's a, uh, in, in, uh, the ingenuity of doing that right now. Like, yeah, that's a smart idea. Just, I'd never thought of that. Give the Peanut Poppers to a different grade. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that works. I think everyone's going to respect that and respect me as they should for making that decision. Totally. Um, I feel like generally my Kong scale shifts higher than my Godzilla scale because I think that the best Kong movies aren't nearly as good as the best Godzilla movies. So I would kind of assume that I'd give I'd do the same thing you did, but I actually don't feel like I can do it. I feel like Kong is treated like shit in this movie. <laughs> and I'm somewhere between B and C, but I, I'm going to give it a Diddy Kong. And I'm going to allow Diddy Kong to keep his peanut poppers that he always has anyway for this rating. And give it just a Diddy Kong with peanut poppers. All right. Um, 
But in response to that, I want to point out a couple things. Um, this is kind of similar to our first episode, our first King Kong episode, where you said racism is okay as long as uh, the racist has seen um, King Kong. What? Um, and now you're saying that shit was insane. And now you're saying that even though King Kong is problematic and kidnaps women, uh, we're still going to grade him on a higher scale and give him the benefit of the doubt. Just want to point out those couple things. Damn, I suck, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, sounds like one half of this podcast is canceled. Bummer. No one will ever figure out which half. Sweet. Well, thanks for joining us for our episode on King Kong versus Godzilla. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please check us out on Twitter at no gods pod. You can email us nogodspod at gmail.com and rate us on iTunes or any other podcast app. If you can, it would really help at the time of this recording we still have just two ratings and i don't know why they or two two reviews we have a few more ratings but rate us review us we love you you've listened this long you must love us please do it <laughs> um and who whoever rated us one star you're <laughs> a coward and godzilla wouldn't like you just like i don't like you but you know who would like you uh, Carl Denham, he would like you, and he's a bad guy. So think about that. Damn, dude, you fucking burned him. Yeah, burned. <laughs>